Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's me, the Gorilla Climbs, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the Morning. We have with us the main man of the hour. <laughs> main man of the hour. He's the psychic extraordinary, the one and only El Cuco is with us. And, uh, <laughs> another, another edition of Rogue, uh, Rogue Band, you know, Rogue Censored. Another right siege. <laughs> That's right. Rogue, Rogue Band, Rogue Censored, the YouTube. YouTube, they finally caught up with us, V. They finally caught up with us. They finally caught up with us, and uh, so we're in exile. This is Rogue in exile, folks. I'm, I'm in some uh, dark corridor uh, somewhere in God knows where, and uh, CJ is uh, also in a dark corridor. So we're, we're just you know putting this whole thing together. This is pre-recorded, um, and it's posted on, uh, on, on Rumble and all the other platforms are with. And folks, we ask that you check out roguenews.com, roguenews.com for all your awesome stuff that we have and with that being said i mean uh i'm a you know a little off kilter happy monday to everybody uh siege what's going on man how are you doing, doing great man i just uh this last cold front that came through i was hoping that we were tapering to the end of it but i just quickly remind remembered that we're only in mid-january so we still have a little bit more winter to go yeah yeah absolutely man. but i'm not going to complain v because we haven't had the here we go i better better knock on wood i'm gonna jinx this you know we haven't had the the 12 inches of snow, the yeah. ice, uh, the 30-degree the blast of, of, of sub, you know, those deep wind chills that blow from the north. But the East Coast has been beat up pretty bad the past couple of weeks. Dude, I, I couldn't have left New York at a better time. I mean, New York is getting absolutely hammered. Uh, the cold's been unbelievable. It's been crazy, man. I, I, unreal. But, yeah, I can't complain, Siege. I can't. And I'm getting used to this whole Midwest thing. Yeah, absolutely. I can't. I can't complain. Anyway, man, lots of things going on. Siege. Uh, anything on your radar? Or you just want to jump into uh, what is happening? Let, let, let's jump into it, brother. Let's let's jump into it. Let's do it, brother. Let's do it. All right. First and foremost, uh, you know, there's been a backlash. There's been a quite a bit of a backlash that's been occurring, where a lot of quote unquote, and and, and the media was running it. Siege as as they as they were saying. Oh, doctors are against Rogan. All these doctors are coming against uh, Joe Rogan, blah, 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 so on and so forth. The funny thing is that the majority of these people are not even doctors. They're like, they're like you know, Joe Biden level doctor siege, right? Right. These are idiots that are nobody. They're basically a bunch of doctor non doctors. And see, I, I think they need to stop giving out these doctor degrees for for these non STEM related fields. Okay, <laughs> they need to stop, man. They need to stop doing the whole doctrine of education. They need to stop doing the um, the doctor of uh, of of uh, of gay art therapy. I mean, uh, you know, that's that that's a, a, a oh. A course that's uh, taught in California. You can get a doctorate in uh, gay art therapy. They need to stop doing that. 
they need to stop doing the doctorate of um of of um of lesbian studies that's another popular one in uh in harvard uh <laughs> they just need to stop so check this out 270 doctors called out joe rogan but the vast majority of the authors and signatories are not even medical doctors doesn't surprise me are you seeing all those blaring corporate press headlines targeting joe rogan this weekend report and i love how these idiots do it man we've seen the reports where it's like oh my god there's 270 doctors are calling, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, Spotify to remove and censor Joe Rogan. And when you're looking at these 270 uh, doctors who are saying that Joe Rogan is a menace to public health, right, because he had Dr. Malone on, he had Dr. Peter McCullough. Well, it turns out that the real arbiters of misinformation are the individuals behind the letter itself. And they're being helped along by a corporate media that is misreporting the credentials of its signatories. The corporate media, like CNN, which has lost over 90% of its viewership, okay? Corporate media like MSLSD, which I think there are more people that are watching like uh, um, uh, uh, I Love Lucy than watching MSLSD. It was first reported by Rolling Stone with a story titled, Doctors Demand Spotify Puts an End to the COVID Lies of Joe Rogan, right? Yep, yep. And, um, I mean, look at this BS. Let me share my screen. Folks, you got to bear with me here. Uh, advanced portion of screen. Oh, this is pretty good. Yeah, this is pretty cool, man. I'm playing around with this uh, portion of screen. Which portion of screen am I, am I sharing? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, there we go. Cool. Look at this. A menace to public health. Doctors demand Spotify put an end to COVID lives on Joe Rogan's experience. Unlike many platforms, Spotify doesn't have a clear policy prohibiting misinformation. 270 physicians and scientists are hoping to change that. Dude, they really shot themselves in the foot with that one, Siege. They really did. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious, right? Absolutely hilarious. Now, the funny thing is, right? These 270 doctors, let's take a look at this. All right, let's take a look at this. Another one from The Guardian Menace to Public Health. 270 Ooh. doctors criticize Spotify, blah, blah, blah. Right, and they, um, let's go look at another one here. Doctors urge Spotify to stop enabling. Right, enabling Joe Rogan and demand his damage to public health. Another one, idiots from Salon, doctors, doctors. You know, these idiots think you throw that word around often enough, and they think that it has some sort of an impact. Doctors, a group consisting of hundreds of scientists and professors, and doctors, (laughs) healthcare workers. Oh, this is getting so good. I love how liberals, the far left, they simply do not stop digging their own hole, man. They simply do not stop digging their own hole. I love the fact that, you know, they just, they, they just don't stop. They don't stop digging a hole for themselves. They don't stop, you know, maybe we should stop, um, um, doing the whole entire, uh, uh, you know, hanging ourselves on our own rope, right? Maybe we should stop doing that. 
but they don't. And the craziest thing is Siege. Okay. Let me, let me, let me pull this up as, as this whole entire thing unravels, right? Yes, the media and the big tech, they want to create the image of hundreds of strong coalitions because, again, it's all about the narrative, right? It's all about the narrative. We want to create the image of hundreds of doctors. It's a coalition of experts. Oh, they're all wearing white, white lab coats. And they're genuinely concerned about public health. Throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, Joe Rogan was repeatedly spread misleading and false claims about his podcast, provoking distrust in science. Because <laughs> remember, remember, see, Fauci is science, bro. Fauci is science. He Don't is the man. Correct. Don't you ever forget that. Fauci is science. Twitter even got into the propaganda campaign against Rogan, adding that his medical experts letter to their curated headline section. Uh-huh. Well, I reviewed the open letter, and it turns out that only 100 of the 270 signatories to the letter are people with qualified medical degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and a large chunk of that 100 or so, quote-unquote, medical doctors are MDs employed where siege. Are they practicing medicine? Are they out there in the hospitals? Are they in the front line? Are they the front line? They, they are not the front line, V. No, where is it working? They're working in woke universities. They employ the MDs employed at universities who are not, in fact, practitioners of medicine. In other words, they're not even practicing medicine, and they haven't practiced medicine in decades. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here's a great uh, a tweet here. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share this. This is from a. Uh, our buddy over there, uh, Luke Radowski. Okay. Let me share this. Look at this. Here's some of the doctors crying about Rogan. (laughs) Christopher Million, PhD, post-doctoral fellow. Uh Cole Creighton, director of research, Grasshopper Farms. Dear Lord. Oh, God, yes, 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 yes. Courtney Kennedy, and here's a real doctor right here. She's a physician's assistant, bro. In other words, she's the she's the doctor's bitch who does all the dirty work. That's what a physician's assistant is. You couldn't hack it in med school. You couldn't get in, and you don't want to be called a nurse. And a nurse's prac makes more money than you, so you're a physician's assistant. See, that is like a dental assistant giving out dental advice. We have several dental experts. We're now saying that fluoridated toothpaste is harmful to your teeth. And then you look at uh, who these experts are, and they're just a bunch of uh, uh, dental assistants, right? How about, how about Krista Paula? Oh, yeah. This one's a, she's a real doozy, an expert in infectious disease, right? She's a, what's her doctorate in? Adult gerontology primary care nurse. Isn't that wonderful, Siege? That's she's awesome. A, Oh, she's 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 she works in a nursing home. Nice. Primary, primary in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Sydney Jardine? Oh, there's one person here. Oh my God, epidemiological researcher. Epidemiolog. She has an MPH, a master's in public health. An MPH. You don't even have an MD, man. Right. Epidemiological researcher. Are you a doctor? Nope. Are you a clinical worker? Are you somebody in the front lines of of, of this pen? Nope. What are you? You're just an opinionated hack 
that works at the Colorado State University. That's what you are. What about Daniel Anthony Barone, Associate Professor of Clinical Neurology? Uh, what about him? Well, he works for Cornell Medicine. He's another bookworm, another hack. What about, uh, what about this guy, Colleen Frost, DMD, a dentist, Siege, a dentist. Uh-huh. Daniel Jones, who's another MD, F-A-C-O-G. He's a, what, a consultant. Uh-huh. Who the hell, what about this guy? David Levine, MA, Masters in Arts. What, what is, what is, uh, what's his, he's a writer for John Hopkins University. These are vaunted experts, Siege. These are the people. Experts. Oh, yeah. These are the people who are going up to people like, like Joe Rogan, who are going up to people like Dr. Robert Malone, who has the bloody patents for the mRNA. The, the patents were filed in the 80s. You can look it up yourself. It's at the patent office. He has it. And as much as they want to memory hold the guy and say that he didn't invent anything or he's not the actual inventor, but the BS. Of course he is. So it's ridiculous, okay? And again, it's, it's, it's absolute paranoia. It's absolute stupidity. It's absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Why? Because they don't like the truth. And it's a, it's a damn shame that the far left at this point is all on board with Big Pharma. They're all on board with war. It's, it's, it's insanity. Your thoughts? Well, you know, it is it is insanity. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a way I'm kind of glad I, I, I did this because I think this this most people are starting to under, understand V that, you know, the act of desperation that this truly is. And and when they look at the quality of the information that's being put out, that's something that they struggle with. Right. So in other words, what information have the quote unquote deemed experts put out that has actually worked? You know, is it is it the social distancing? Is it is it two weeks to flatten the curve? Is it lock everything down and it's going to stop the spread? Is it is it do you know get you get your jab and that's gonna it's gonna you know really slow down COVID? Every bit of information that's been pushed out from the CDC, the NIH, the dying legacy media, CNN, Fox News, it's all been wrong. Every bit of it has been wrong. And they're, they're trying to catch up with the counter narrative that's being produced, you know, by Joe Rogan. And this, this isn't going to work. They think that it is, but the quality of information is being put out is, is too much. The frequency is too high. In other words, when you look at the average viewers, I believe it was something like the average top views that a CNN show gets on a, on a nightly basis I think the top is like, or the average, I'm sorry, the average is like 820,000. I can't remember yeah. where I got this information, but it's out there somewhere. And, and, and that's if, that's if the, uh, the, the hotels and, and, uh, and airports are, uh, are still playing that. Yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. And that's that, but yeah, that's a, that's a probably an inflated number. And then I think the average Joe Rogan podcast is upwards of, is it, is, is it 6 million or is it more like 2.2 million? It's, it, you you really can't even hundred million downloads per month on average. Yeah, on on average, so two hundred million. I mean, my God, there's no comparison. So they so they can't counter this this frequency. They can't counter this narrative, and th- by them doing this in this quote unquote two hundred seventy dollars, this is just this is it exposes them even more. Um, so so I'm glad that they've they've done this. It's <clears throat> it's not going to work. This quote unquote 
pushing efforts to push Spotify to deep platform, you know, Rogan. And this is something V that we spoke about several, several months, months ago about, about not really analyzing too much as far as, you know, Joe Rogan, the individual, Joe Rogan, the person, the persona versus the quality of work that he's producing, right? The, right. the long form discussions. And, and I think Joe's being very smart about it. Like I thought about this the other day, I was going to, I was going to put him on. I don't know. I mean, I, I listened to the entire discussion with HR McMaster and it, McNuggets. McNuggets. And it was very painful. It, oh, it was God, very yeah. painful. And, and, and I know Rogan and I know he didn't believe half the bullshit that, that McMaster's was pushing out there. And, you know, he, he, he stated some things out there like the January 6th thing about the FBI and yep. understanding things. And McMaster's and kept Russia trying to spin it. Ukraine. Yeah. They just, he just kept trying to spin it. But, but I think Joe is very smart by allowing the alphabet agencies out and onto his platform. You, you, yep. you see, you see what I'm getting at. He's yeah. very smart by strategically mm-hmm. pushing pushing the boundaries of the truth, pushing the boundaries of pushing against that, but yet also allowing them on where most people would be like, just cancel them. Why would you even allow them on? No, 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 no. You can't, you can't do that. You, you've got to let them and the audience dictate it. And that, that's something that always frets me like, like as far as podcasting, it's the quality of the content that produces, mm-hmm. that's being produced that drives the audience. That that's it. There's no, there's no magic formula. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this and, and do that. It's the quality of the content that's produced. So people are going to listen to that with HR, with HR masters, and they're going to determine for themselves what to believe and not. And I think most people that listen, listen through that are like, you know what, this is, you know, absolutely. This guy's more pumping his book that he's put out this bullshit. But I think, I think Rogan has to do that. I think he has to find that fine balance between understanding that for the so many years that the alphabet agencies have really dictated and, and drove the ma- massive amount of information that the Amer- American public received yeah. through the media legacy company. So now you're having the alphabet agencies trying to figure out, well, how can we do that now? We can't, we can't put Anderson Cooper on Joe Rogan. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> no. I mean, they tried to fly, send right? you. That didn't work out well. Right. They're not, they can't put Anderson Cooper on, on Rogan. And, you know, and, and if and if Cooper starts his own podcast, he's probably going to get like 500 views. Oh, yeah. So I, I think that that's their that's how they're circumventing it. Is that like, OK, well, you know, we have to have some of these people from our agencies get out there and, and, and speak on these platforms that are large. And I, and very good. I think it's very strategic and very smart for Rogan, uh, for, for him to allow them uh, to do that, but yet, you know, continue to push and challenge the, the narrative of the, the mainstream uh, legacy media be. Absolutely. You know, the, the most hilarious thing about this entire letter siege is this right here, where it says as physicians, we bear the arduous weight of a pandemic and stretch our medical systems to their limits. See, you and I remember <laughs> very clearly how they were stretched to the limits with all those TikTok videos they were putting out in our medical system. We're, we're, I mean, we're very aware of that, right, Siege? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And the cringy NIH uh, director oh. putting out his, his Christmas oh. uh, song about, about, about COVID, that was... Oh, yeah, that was, was very cringe, cringeworthy, V. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, because they were stressed out, man. Totally. I, mean, stressed. I don't know about you, Siege. When, I, when I'm working and I got things to do and I'm stressed, I'm at the deadlines and the limitations of what I can handle. I like to bust out in the TikTok video, Siege. 
Yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing V like, you know, I'm bored and I need to do something very powerful. I'll just, you know, put, put on my, my, my leopard thong and, and break out into a, to a TikTok video. Yes. We like to start. Twerking. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's stretched our medical systems to their limits and our, only stands to be exacerbated by the anti-vaccination sentiment woven into this and other episodes of Rogan's podcast. Oh God! Paradoxically, the disseminators of this paradoxically the disseminators of this petition are guilty of the very misinformation label that they've attached to Rogan. In fact, neither of the two reported co-authors of the letter, Jessica Rivera and Ben Rain, possesses medical degrees. Rivera holds a master's degree and Rain is a PhD academic who researchers, drumroll please psychiatry psychiatry, that's what he does the letter denouncing Rogan and pressuring Spotify to censor his speech has all kinds of random signatories by my count the letter is signed by over 50 PhD academics 60 college professors 29 nurses, 10 students four medical residents and a handful of, ho- of of science podcasters and a couple of homeless bums and a partridge on a pear tree siege. <laughs> the letter uses the words misinformation nine times in five paragraphs and concludes with a call for Spotify to censor Rogan as part of its policy to moderate misinformation on the platform. <laughs> Notably, there's no information on who or what group is behind the creation and circulation of an open letter. Rivera, the reported lead author of the letter, is associated with the far-left Rockefeller Foundation and The Atlantic. She's also a CNN contributor. Oh, look at that, Siege. What a joke, man. What a joke. I love it. And you know what I'm something? There's a lot of smart people that see it for what it is. What's uh, So he had, Rogan had Malone on, but what was the other uh, doctor's Peter name? McCullough. McCullough. Yeah. I could have swore over the weekend. I saw a tweet or something like that where, and I think this would be a, a very smart move because the, the organization that he's, he's bringing forward with the number of experts and scientists and doctors and everything. I mean, it's pretty massive as well, right? There's Dude, they're the, I, I, and these, the, his organization are, this is what they do. Right. They well, don't well, do nothing else but this. Well, that's what I'm saying. It'd be great if they just put out a letter saying, uh, no, in contrast, we, 3,000 or 5,000 doctors, and here's our backgrounds, do support Spotify and Joe Rogan. I, I, that, that would be epic, right? I mean, Absolutely. I mean, and, and because in part, I, I, you see so many of the things that Rogan has talked about on his show, where now the CDC is finally starting have, having to admit, like the other day, uh, I can't remember what her name was, was uh, on, on CNN, and she was admitting in regards to the, you know, the average death rate and the fact that most yeah, of these Susan people- Wolofsky. Yeah, that most of these people had uh, three and a half or four uh, comorbidities. I keep, I keep, I always mess up that word. Comorbidities. But comorbidities, and they and and she they had to admit it. V. They finally yeah. had to say that on and and why? Well, because it's out there. People have it in their language, and they want to pretend that it doesn't exist. And and I think people are really starting to scratch their head and like, wait, wait a minute here. And and you know they're saying these things that maybe cloth mask and all this stuff doesn't work and they they push this narrative for two years and and now they're saying well in n95 masks are the really the really the way you, you, you need to go so yeah so this is the, the 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 wheels are falling falling off in terms of the massive amount of 
you know, disinformation coming out of, out of uh, DC. Um, I really don't think anything is going to, you know, happen with this. I don't, I don't think Spotify is going to touch uh, Rogan at all. Hmm. I, I, there's, I don't think there's any way. I mean, the, uh, Joe Rogan is a massive investment for Spotify. They're not going to touch him at all. And I think uh, Rogan's contract, the way it was written is that he is free to talk about whatever the hell he wants to talk about. And there's nothing they can do about it. That, that was the, the underlying thing of that contract. Switching gears, the idiots that are, again, not only running rampant against guys like Joe Rogan and against any sort of ideas or, or any sort of decency or, or common sense are at it again on the world state siege. Uh, Britain's surprising new focus in its bid to undermine China. This is a good article. This is over at our team. Uh, let me bring this up. I want to share the screen. Yes, yes, yes. So on Monday, the BBC published a feature focusing on a Chinese-funded development in the Sri Lankan capital of Colombo under the heading Colombo Port City in New Dubai or a Chinese enclave. <laughs> the aim is to turn the area into a new financial center, but the article's tone was predictably slanted in a negative way and emphasized the narrative of dead trap. I love how they do that, Siege. The world or the countries that are so intimately involved in debt traps, okay, and who have done nothing but rob, rape, and pillage so many other vulnerable countries for several, several decades, is now calling a win-win situation, a mutually beneficial trade agreement, and a mutually beneficial development agreement for infrastructure and ports, a debt trap. I find that hysterical. That Sri Lanka has handed over its port to Beijing because it could not pay its debts. The suggestion was that Beijing is engaged in geopolitical maneuvering. You've heard this all the time, right? And let's read. The, let's get into this article that breaks it down. The article, which describes Sri Lanka as India's backyard, also took aim at, at the country's prime minister Mahinda Rajapakasa, and suggested that it it has much to fear from the project as China seeks to tighten its grip. What is even more eye-opening, however, is that this isn't the first article of this nature the BBC has published. In 2022 alone, it has run the front page pieces with headlines including Crisis Hits Sri Lanka, Asks China to Restructure Its Debt, and China, It's Burdening Poor Countries with Unsustainable Debt. In addition, late last year, Deborah Bautman, a scholar who had a long disproven claim of the idea that the Chinese of the of the Chinese debt trap engaged in an interview with the BBC on China and Sri Lanka, only to subsequently complain that the broadcaster had edited it to misrepresent her words and to make her look like she was pushing this narrative. It is abundantly clear that the BBC is promoting a very specific line regarding China's relationship with Sri Lanka. In fact, much of the West is. Why? The Western financial powers do not want you. As a, if you're another country, they don't want you having an alternative to their system. Okay, and I'm going to explain the 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 crux, the the meat and potatoes of what that system is that the West is offering versus what the multipolar world is offering. The BBC has a very obvious political agenda against China. It won't admit it, insisting that it's imp impartial. But the reality is, as is frequently demonstrated, is that it ultimately advocates the British government's foreign policy. It is very much doing so when it comes to China, similar to how it acted on behalf of UK government messaging during the initial Cold War. 
The international version of its website carries negative stories about China on a near daily basis, often using emotive language such as when it accused Beijing of imposing starvation and death and lockdown stricken Xi'an. Bunch of bullshit. And there are several people that have posted videos who actually live in Xi'an, and they're like, what the hell is these idiots talking about? There's no starvation and death here. Look. And these are non-Chinese people that live there, folks. Okay, non-Chinese people. Like, what are you talking about? Starvation and death. Ridiculous. It's hard for any serious person to say that the BBC is impartial. It's also been a leader in promoting the narrative of human rights abuses in Xinjiang, which I've disproven a million times already. But when it comes to Sri Lanka in particular, there is something interesting to be made, an interesting assessment. While the island has become a, sta- a staple example of China's so-called debt trap diplomacy, it is noticeable that the BBC in particular focuses much more on it than the American media does. This shows that there is strictly a British dimension to this issue, and that stands to reason given that Sri Lanka is a former dominion of the British Empire. When you take into account how Sri Lanka was previously a strategic base for the Royal Navy, and also consider Foreign Secretary Liz Truss's network of liberty, which professes to bring countries into the orbit of free market democracies, it is obvious that the British government sees itself as competition with China for influence over Colombo. What are they talking about? The city of London has always been instrumental, not only in the financial markets throughout the world, but they've been very instrumental in, in the terms of writing the, the, um, the stipulations and the requirements for international lending. Like, case in point, back in 2014, when a loan was put out there by, um, by Russia to help pay for Ukraine, Ukraine borrowed some money from Russia, and they, the Ukrainians, they borrowed the money. Guess who underwrote the entire thing? It was, it was City of London. So they've always been a financial hub. But thanks to the uh, Asian Infrastructure Bank and all the other alternatives to Western financial institutions, many of the countries don't need them. And so now they're looking at this old, you know, they're looking at what's happening in, in Sri Lanka. They're like, oh, my God, that, they're freaking out, man. They're totally freaking out. Now, the country sits at a critical geographic geostrategic junction. It's in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's just off the coast of India itself, so it's integral to the entire Indo-Pacific vision. It's also a key juncture of China's Belt and Road Initiative. The two countries have a strong relationship because they subscribe to the ideas of non-aligned movement and have very similar values as post-colonial states who seek norms of national sovereignty and non-interference. Sri Lanka in particular has a history of ethno-sectarian conflicts, which has put it at odds with the West and created sympathy toward China. Whilst Colombo inevitably has an important relationship with its closest neighbor, India, it does not seek to be dominated by the country and therefore uses China as a strategic hedge in order to uphold its own political space. Smart thing to do. The mainstream media and the BBC portray the island as a desperate, cash-trapped country reliant on Chinese financial support, but it's simply not true. In reality, Sri Lanka owes more to Japan individually than China. Beijing has become a preferred partner of late because it's politically expedient for the government and comes with no strings attached. <sighs> Think of that, Siege. No strings attached. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, absolutely. What is exactly? And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this image up real quick, right? Just so you guys can see it. 
Oh, actually, it's up. You guys can see it right now. Ownership of Sri Lanka's outstanding foreign debts. Do, who do they owe the most money to besides the international sovereign bonds or the foreign currency term financing facilities or the multinational financial institutions? Which country do they owe the most amount of money to? Japan. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So they owe the most amount of to, money to Japan. Beijing has become the preferred partner of late because it's politically experienced and there's no there's no there's no strings attached. Same reason why the Africans do business with them. However, in the wake of Brexit, Britain is developing a foreign policy which sees its former colonies as its own rightful dominions and using the ideology of the British exceptionalism believes it should now compete against China and these nations. When Barbados scrapped the British monarchy last year, it became a republic. The right-wing press in, in London blamed China, accused it of buying the island and highlighting their deepening economic ties. It was no coincidence that at the same time, Trust launched her fund. And who the hell is Trust? Liz Trust is going to be the person who is, you know, picked to replace Boris Johnson because blowjob is going down in flames, CJ. I don't know if you know that. Blowjob is literally going up in flames. And the, the fact that a photo was leaked of blowjob having a... Um, a, a, a wine party during lockdowns uh, over at Parliament didn't go over so well, did it, Siege? Yeah, yeah. No. But he so thought those... it was a quote-unquote meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was a meeting, right. Exactly. You know, drinking rosé at 12 p.m., right. It can be argued in terms of the Britain sees Sri Lanka in the same way. It was a righteous overseer of an island which acted in its best interest and now faces a battle over increasing Chinese influence. And this is what the West, they have nothing to offer. The reason why the multipolar world works and the reason why many countries throughout the world are going for it is this. The multipolar world works because the multipolar world is offering solutions to countries. And they're able to offer solutions because of what? A physical economy. They're able to produce everything that they're, they're talking about. And they're not coming up with them with vaporware. When you have a, a, a fire economy, right, an economy based on finance, insurance, and real estate, that fire economy, the problem with it is it, it, it's paper. All you could do is lending. All the West could do is lending. They cannot build you anything because there's no because the West has no infrastructure. They have no industry. Unless, of course, you want these idiots to uh, build you, uh, what's it called, uh, solar panels or, or, or windmills. If, you're, if you want them to do that, then what the West does, their companies will contract some Chinese companies to do it, and then they'll real sell it to you at a higher price. That's it. Or they sell you trash recyclables, or they can set up a, a, a porn industry in, in your country and maybe get you involved in narco-trafficking as a wonderful alternative, maybe some human trafficking to go along with that. But apart from that, there's nothing they can do. There's no industry to bear. Why? Because the West has gutted themselves. They swallowed the pill that they're a service-based economy. They swallowed the poison that they have a, uh, the, that, that, that physical production and having a physical economy with manufacturing is some sort of an ancient, archaic thing for less developed economies. No. A wealth of a country, and I've said it a million times before, a wealth of a country is created on the factory floor. Siege. Yeah, I think you nailed it, V. I mean, that's 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 the bottom line in terms of, of durable goods that are that are sold 
manufacturing, you know, completely opposite of, of what's happening here in the United States and, and, and the effort of what we make to try to export, which is, you know, you know, what is it, what, what is it, what is it involved? You know, the, the, the tech giants and, and Facebook and, yeah. and things of, of that nature. And they're going to try to flip, they're going to try to flip and it's going to be an epic failure as they, you know, try to move towards this uh, green agenda with solar panels and, and batteries. And at the, and at the same time, not securing any of the raw materials needed uh, to ramp up that type of, of manufacturing. Oh, and, and, oh, and doing it by the way, during a time when uh, the fed is looking at tapering uh, back, you know, where, where, where are those funds going to come from? Who's going to pay for it? V how's, how's that going to happen? Yeah, exactly. You're correct. You know, we've talked about several times here about the whole color revolution in Kazakhstan. We called it a color revolution as soon as it happened. Why? Because it, it, it's, it's a broken record at this point. It's the only thing that the U.S. is, they're not even good at doing color revolutions anymore, Siege. God, we even suck at doing that. Oh, my God. Anyway, as America continues to bleed on about human rights violations in places like Russia and China and whatnot, right? It was supporting Uyghur terrorists, right? The um, the terrorists, uh, the, the the Uyghur separatist group that was in Kazakhstan, that was on a terror watch list. And several months ago, I was wondering why did the U.S. remove the Uyghur terrorist group? Okay from the terror watch list. And here we are when the whole Kazakhstan thing happened, Siege, we found out. As soon as we heard reports that Kazakhstan or Kazakhstani police officers were being beheaded, I was wondering to myself, where do these head choppers come from? And I knew right then and there, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, this looks familiar. These are the Uyghurs. This is the Uyghur terrorist group, Right. The short-lived attempt at a color revolution in Kazakhstan has brought into focus the geopolitical game being waged by the West and Central Asia. This clumsy attempt, and Siege and I have always called it a clumsy, stupid, idiotic, moronic, comical attempt, okay, to once again destabilize the region was quickly squashed thanks to the response of Kazakhstan's fellow members led by Russia. All, as all uh, you know, color revolutions do, it tapped into the genuine anger amongst the populace about rising fuel costs and legitimate grievances. However, any pretense that this was an organic leaderless uprising was soon exposed, and the beheadings were the things that gave it away. The Central Asian uh, region encompassing all the stands has been largely at the periphery of the world affairs until comparatively recently. Remote in the extreme, even during the, its time as part of the USSR, it received little attention due to its strategic irrelevance. The emergence of China and Russia has changed that. Kazakhstan, sandwiched between them among its Central Asian neighbors, is now a battleground. Okay, this is like ground zero of the grand chessboard. Okay, and it's being played out. Kazakhstan is an essential component to the Belt and Road Initiative. And as such, it's an absolute target for the United States were intent on destroying it. When you look at a map that shows China, and then you see that it shares borders with over 14 countries, seven of those countries are Islamic nations. 
And guess what? It enjoys good relations with all of them. China itself has a large Muslim population, not concentrated in Xinjiang. They are to be found everywhere in China, along with mosques at which they worship, not alone as a minority group. China has five different ethnic groups inside its own borders. All, every single one of them, are free. And they're encouraged to practice and celebrate their individual cultures and languages. The Umigui, or the capital in Umigui, which is the capital of Xinjiang, there are at least eight separate Muslim sects with their own mosques. Muslims are not forced to send their children to Chinese schools. And during the almost 40 years of China's one-child policy, the Muslims were the only group who were permitted to have more than one child. I told you guys several times, the only people that were under the one-child policy, which was put in there by the World Trade Organization under Western powers, was native ethnic Han Chinese. But every other minority group that is in China, you can have as many kids as you want. And the whole idea that, that, that China is throwing Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps and, and whatnot, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's fake news, folks. Fake news. Zhangjing is the extreme northwest of China. It borders six other Central Asian Islamic republics. And once remote and, and undeveloped, it has in recent years received huge investment from the central government. I've, I've said this, I, you know, I, I've beaten this to death at this point. I've told you guys several times, look, the, the, the level of quality of life that has improved in those areas because of, of Chinese investment. Okay. So the reason why I brought this up with this whole Kazakhstan and, and Xinjiang and what that really means is this. I want you to get a, a little clue on this article. And this was written by uh, Amon McKinney, who is uh, one of the contributors to the Strategic Culture Foundation. There's a key here, and as I usually do, I am the gorilla, and I like to look at things from an economic standpoint all the time, because when you start looking at it from follow the money, it all starts making sense, okay? It all starts making sense. And this is what he wrote about, okay? As all color revolutions do, it tapped into genuine anger among populace about rising fuel costs and other legitimate grievances. CJ, during the Arab Spring, did we have, remember the Arab Spring, like back in like, you know, 2012, 2013, uh, it was springing up all across the Arab world, right? Yep. What did we have at the gas pump, CJ? Did we have cheap gas prices or was it astronomical prices? Because I, I remember taking photos of the gas prices during the Obama years. Do you remember, CJ? Wasn't it pretty, during during those crises, was it five like $5 a gallon or Ooh. something ridiculous? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And what did the and and what happened? All of a sudden, there was a color revolutions that are occurring all over the Middle East. We've had um, Mohammed Morsi come to power in Egypt after they took down Hosni Mubarak. Right. That was the color. That was the uh, Arab Spring that occurred in Egypt. And that luckily was squelched and put down by uh, al-Sisi, the current uh, president in Egypt. And all throughout the Arab world. And it was led by sky-high prices in energy and in food. You see, you can bitch and complain and cry about $4 a gallon gasoline and, you know, $15, $17 a pound for ribeye. But what that does in other countries, folks, okay, vulnerable countries, it crushes them. And when it crushes them, that's when the NGOs want. Look, folks, 
this whole thing, people, you know, people who think in the in, in the myopic way of things, they'll think that um, you know, COVID was created to get rid of Donald Trump. No, no. COVID was created not in China to get rid of us. No, it was created by the West in order to create absolute bedlam in the multipolar world to create suffering. And then, see, let me ask you this. Who controls the pricing of oil in the world? Would that be the West or the East, Siege? Uh, primarily the, 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 the West, OPEC and... Bingo. And what are the two metrics that are behind oil pricing? It's, the, it's, it's West WTI and Brent. Yeah. Okay. Those are the two. And where are they based? Are they based in 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 in, Mas- in Moscow, CJ? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Are they based in uh, in in Beijing? I don't think so. Well, they happen to be based in the uh, city of London and Wall Street. Oh, ding 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 ding. Maybe. <laughs> right. So just on cue. No pun intended. <laughs> just on cue you had a rise in energy and food prices, which creates actual suffering in developing economies where people cannot eat. It becomes prohibitively very expensive. And then you have the whole COVID thing, which was designed to break the multipolar world. Then you have the, 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 the economic stimulus, which was designed, it was implicitly designed to create hyperinflation. It was implicitly designed to create hyperinflation and stagflation here in the United States, but to create devastating destruction to supply chains, food, and energy prices overseas, specifically in the multipolar world. And then when the people are suffering and you turn up the... Folks, the, 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 I've said this a million times. Oil is one of the most financialized instruments, one of the most financialized commodities on God's green earth. It's even more financialized than your damn mortgage. And they're able to turn up the heat, turn up the heat, turn up the heat. And then when the heat is turned up, and when the heat is turned up, they're able to get those sky-high food prices. Then they send in those NGOs. And then the NGOs come in, and then boom. You have a color revolution. You have a serious problem, and now you're able to topple. Well, that's failed. That's failed. See, I've, I've had a couple of predictions. I've said this months ago, right? One of the things I said is look for a pharmaceutical sell-off in, 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 in springtime, probably between May and April. You're going to start seeing the COVID narrative start coming apart probably by the summertime. Another thing that I think is going to happen, Siege, and I don't want to get into, I don't, I don't want to give too many juicy bits away, but I think there's going to be a not a high eighty or ninety dollar barrel of oil. I think the price of oil is going to start coming down. They have failed in creating their new world order. They have failed in spreading their suffering. They have failed in trying to create as much harm and destabilization as possible in the world. They failed miserably. And the only way forward for a lot of the money powers is not trying to create the new world order. But the way forward for the money powers is at this point, they failed in Ukraine, they failed in Libya, they failed in Syria, they failed in Kazakhstan, they're failing everywhere. And they don't have the military power they don't have the, the, the narrative. They don't have the, um, 
um, um, what is it? The 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 industry for war. They don't have the industry to fight a, a, a lengthy war against the technological period. They don't have the capacity. So the only thing right now, what the data is starting to scream to me, Siege, and the data is impartial. The data is not capricious, and all I do is look at data all freaking day. The data is saying that you're going to start seeing a pullback of the private equity that is going into a lot of these globalist projects are being pulled back. It's not working out. Their new world order has failed. And as it pulls back, you're going to see a lot of people on the chopping block. Biden is done. Camel toe is done. The Democratic Party is done. Liberalism, as we know it, is done. I think in the next coming years, I, I, I think we're going to start seeing a shift to more nationalism. Because it's not, it's too expensive for the real money powers to go along with this one world order, right? Now people will say, V, they print the money, they have all the power in the world. Yeah, they print the money, but you got to understand, they are decimating their own assets. And they don't want that. They're not going to blow off their head to spite their nose, folks. And I think we're starting to, and I, I don't have the full picture yet, but I think by February, sometime in February, I'll have the full picture. But we are witnessing the end of Globalism Incorporated. And again, and this is the reason why, you got to understand, this is the reason why COVID came into place. It has nothing to do with getting rid of Trump. The reason why COVID came into place is to stop the multipolar world. Trump was just a part, he was a nuisance. He was not supposed to be there. And it's irrelevant whether he comes back or not. This has nothing to do with it. You got to think bigger. You got to think a lot bigger. This has everything to do with stopping the multipolar world. It had everything to do with um, not only stopping the multipolar world, but to also create the suffering or the environment that is needed in order for NGOs to go in and to really start creating the chaos and the havoc that we're seeing all throughout the third and third world and emerging markets. Siege. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the whole economic impact and, and not taking our eyes too far off that is just extremely important right now because, you know, there's, there's always economics finance uh, behind all of these strategic geopolitical moves. And, you know, hence the reason right, why right now there's so much, so many different attempts to disrupt um, the, the future and, and the future is not, you know, three to five years out. It's, you know, 20, 25 years as these, you know, emerging uh, economies are, are going to uh, start to manifest all the years of, of development and planning that's going to, to take place. And the West would love that for, for that to remain under dollar hegemony. They would, right. they would love for the IMF or the central banks, uh, for the Fed to maintain yeah. the, the status quo. Yeah. Uh, but they but they can't the 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 wheel the wheels are simply you know falling off of that and it's yeah. just just you know so interesting you know right now to be you know watching this unfold um and and the scary part is is that you know you know uh, china russia you know they're they're truly playing a masterful you know oh, game God, at, at yeah. chess they you know and and there's no solution as far as like 
strategic steps and things that they do. Nobody really knows. I, I, I uh, there's a good discussion. I haven't seen him in a long time, but uh, Pepe Escobar did a uh, an, an interview over at the Gray Zone um, that's definitely worth worth a, a listen. And you know, he broke down uh, you know just a few important things in in regards to what you know what unfolded, the the potential of different events that are are being played out, presented, and 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 I believe that you know Putin probably has a list of of several items that that are options on the table of things they they potentially could or couldn't do but to think that Putin is going to just start marching into Ukraine and and take over that's way too simple that's stupid that 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 that's what they want right i think that's what they're they're pushing for that's what they want yeah. so so now we have right. a state department who is is starting to put signals out there that they're worried that Russia may launch some type of a false flag. False. <laughs> so, so it's the master of false flag. Right? Exactly. Yeah. We're worried that Russia is going to put out a, a false flag gas attack in Ukraine and then blame it on us. <laughs> you know, they're attempting, they're attempting all these things to take place. But you know what that probably means? That probably means that the Russian intelligence has actually caught the U S uh, in the planning stages of a false flag in Ukraine to blame it on Russia and the Russians just outed them first. And that's why the U.S. had to get ahead of the story. Yeah, reacting. That's yeah. what happened. But but I, I think strategically, you know, I, I think that, you know, Russia will look, you know, at Latin America, look at, you know, potentially. I, I don't know. Cuba, Cuba's kind of tough. I mean, they could definitely Venezuela just because the relationship they already they already have there. Yeah. But um, I think that's what will unfold where we'll start to see somewhere. Uh, maybe Venezuela, maybe maybe we'll start to see some more Russia-made military hardware S four hundreds in 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 Venezuela. Um, you know, somewhere somewhere closer to our backyards where it raises the the, the starts America for us to think here as far as the the intelligence uh, organizations to start to rethink some through some things. But they're in they're they're in desperation mode right now. V, uh, they're in desperation mode. There's not going to be any type of intent to. Uh, go to the table and effectively negotiate and and they want to use these series of meetings just to continue the planning stages you know kick the can down the road you know hopefully that something is going to happen uh, but just right now are just the the most interesting times in, indeed very well said folks and with that we're at the end of the broadcast this is rogue in exile rogue news in exile with cj and v and uh folks again uh Comment, like, comment, like, comment, share. I, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, Siege. I'm, we're not even on YouTube. Right, right. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to what? I don't know. <laughs> Whatever platform you're seeing us in, uh, subscribe to that. Uh, we will be on back on uh, ScrewTube um, on the 26th, I believe, if they haven't uh, completely uh, given us the, the boot. But um, anyway, uh, when we are back in YouTube, you better bet your bottom dollar. That's just going to be about promoting shows. So listen, if you're watching us on Rumble, make sure you subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to Rumble and Twitch and everything else. But anyway, with that being said, we're at the end of the show. And CJ, I'm going to take it away because awesome. uh, not even my producer extraordinaire has the controls anymore because of this nonsense. It's ridiculous. Anyway, we're over and out. We'll be back tomorrow. Cheers. <laughs>